Stone and nursery volunteers who serve every week, systematically teaching our kids the Bible stories. And we're so, so happy for them, so glad that God has blessed us with so many kids and so many babies on the way. It's exciting, kind of scary and exciting. If you have your Bibles with you, please open them with me to Jonah chapter 2, the book of Jonah chapter 2. mentioned last week you may need to turn to your table of contents first to find it. Uh, It's buried in the minor prophets and that's not a place we often dare to tread. So uh, Jonah and chapter 2. This morning we'll be talking about how to remember the Lord. Now this is sophisticated because Jonah was in a place, and I think sometimes you and I are in a place when we'd rather not remember the Lord. The Lord had called Jonah to do something he really didn't want to do, and maybe the Lord has called you to do something you really don't want to do, and Jonah decided he was not going to do it, and instead he was going to run the other way. He would rather risk the sea than do what God had called him to do, and so he, so he runs. I don't know where you are, what God has called you to do, where he's called you to go, where he's called you to stay, what he's called you to say, who he's called you to love. I don't know where God is calling you or who he's calling you to, but I know there's maybe part of you that would resist that. And I'd like you to see yourself kind of in Jonah's story of this is how it goes when we resist the Lord. So we'll talk about when we don't want God's call on our lives, or when we're running away from God. And then we'll talk about, well, when we finally come to a place where we will surrender and pray. The question we have to answer then is, like, will we call out to him? Because I think sometimes we feel like it's been too long, I've run too far away, I've gone down into the rabbit hole too deep, I'm not worthy to pray, or I can't pray, or for this reason or that reason, I can't call out to the Lord, he won't hear me because I've been ignoring him too long. What's God's answer for that in the book of Jonah? And then, when we finally get to the place where we'll surrender and call out to the Lord in prayer, what will we do then? You know, if the Lord delivers us, what will we do on the other side of that deliverance? So this is what we're talking about. Like, after God answers prayer... We'll talk about, you can call out to him where you are, and we'll talk about, but I'm not sure I want to. You know, like, what do we do with God's call on our lives? It's kind of the plan as we go this morning. So before we jump in, I'd like to kind of remind you where we've been. In Jonah chapter 1, the Lord came to Jonah, the word of the Lord, I guess, came to Jonah and said, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. So Jonah arose and ran the other way as far as he could. Remember it says that Jonah went down to Joppa, and when he got to Joppa, he paid the fare and went down into a ship, and then the Lord hurls a storm, and when they're out at sea, during the storm, Jonah had gone down into the ship and lay down to sleep. And the Lord had hurled the storm, and, and it is, the, the boat is about ready to come apart. 
and the storm is getting worse and worse and worse, and the, the sailors are hurling stuff overboard because they're afraid the ship is going to break up and they're going to sink, and they're praying to all the gods they know of. They're not trying to leave any of them out because they need somebody to save them. And they realize somebody's not praying and somebody's not helping, and the captain himself goes down and finds Jonah sleeping the deep sleep of denial, sleeping the sleep of escape. And he wakes up Jonah and he says, Arise, just like God had said to Jonah, Call out to your God, just like God had told Jonah to go into the city of Nineveh out against it. The captain is saying, call out to your God, like perhaps he'll listen and he'll save us. And so they bring Jonah up and they figure the storm is getting worse and worse. They've got to figure out what's wrong. And they draw straws or they cast lots. They figure out what's going on and Jonah's straw is drawn. And everyone looks at Jonah and says, tell us what to do, man. What's going on? And Jonah says, you're going to have to hurl me into the sea. God had hurled a storm. They've been hurling luggage. Jonah says, you're going to have to hurl me into the sea. And they don't want to hurl him into the sea. So they try harder to get to shore. And they work harder. And they throw stuff, more stuff off. And they row harder. And they realize, all we can do is hurl him into the sea. So they pray. And they hurl him into the sea. And Jonah is in deep water. Jonah can't touch. Jonah is in over his head. You know what that's like? To be in over your head? To not be able to touch? To be in the deep water? It's a good thing there's grace. For when we're in over our head. Let's pray before we jump in the text. Lord, I pray that if we are running from you, we will stop. And if we are running from you, that you would keep hurling stuff at us until we stop. If we are going down in our path away from you, I pray that you would Bring us to a point where we surrender and give ourselves up to you. Lord, stand in front of me while I'm in front of them. Talk over me while I talk to them. Do this for your glory's sake, for our good, for the sake of the world that you love. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Here we are in Jonah chapter 1. I'll start in verse 17, the very end of chapter 1. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. Jonah has been hurled from the boat. And the Lord appoints a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly. You'll see the belly of Sheol in just a second. Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then, <laughs> I think that's awesome. Then, so what will it take for you to pray? Well, you've got to get hurled overboard. Might not pray the first night in the belly of the fish. <laughs> Maybe the second or third night, then I might pray. Old boy had a hard heart. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. That's amazing. Like, 
his God. Like, God was Jonah's God, it seems like. It just seems like, by the grace of God, God was still Jonah's God, whether Jonah wanted God for his God or not. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. So if you know the book of Psalms, much of this is going to sound incredibly familiar to you. And I think that is because most of it sounds a lot like the book of Psalms. And so I'll have a list of the Psalms up there that are very similar to what Jonah prays. And uh, I'm not going to stop and talk about each Psalm because that would, that would just be kind of overwhelming for our time. But I want you to see this is one of the deepest prayers in the Bible, probably because Jonah is in really deep, like way over his head and stuff. He is drowning. God took Jonah down very low. So Jonah prays a deep prayer. But it's also deep because it's informed by so much truth. And often when we are down the lowest, down the deepest, that's when the truth from our childhood or truth from when we're teens, the truth that we put in the bank comes back to us and meets us. So Jonah prays, I called out to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried and you heard my voice. Like after I've been ignoring you and ignoring you and ignoring you and running from you, I finally cried and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep. Did, did God cast Jonah into the deep? Well, Jonah would say, God is behind all of it. God is utterly in charge. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. You know what that's like when, you've, when you're drowning and you keep going deeper and deeper and deeper and you get in more and more and more trouble and more and more overwhelmed? Then I said, I am driven away from your sight yet again. Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The, the temple stood for the presence of God on earth which is exactly what Jonah was trying to run from in the first chapter of the book. In the first chapter of the book, I mean, you remember back in verse 3, chapter 1, verse 3, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And then he goes down to Tarshish, gets on a boat, verse 3, away from the presence of the Lord. Jonah had spent the first chapter of the book doing his level best to get away from God, and now he is at the bottom, at the bottom, down, way down deep. And he's like, but I'm going to be back in the presence of the Lord again. Turns out the thing that he was running from the most was the thing that he needed the most. It was the presence of God. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. Man, that's rough, isn't it? You know what that feels like? Weeds wrapped around your head's head while you're suffocating and you feel like you're down at the root of mountains. I went down. Hey, do you remember that word? You remember that word? Jonah goes down to Joppa 
goes down to the boat that is going to Tarshish, goes down um, into the boat in order to lay down to sleep. I went down to the land whose bars closed closed upon me forever, yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Then I think the theme of the whole thing, salvation belongs to the Lord. Hey, where does Jonah's story meet you? Is it, like, are you Jonah? Do you love a Jonah that is running from God? Here's, I think, the really good news in Jonah. Is that no matter how far you've fled, God is still there. You think of, think of Jonah rising up and fleeing, trying to go to the other side of the world, getting on a boat, running as far as he can. It reminds me of the story Jesus told about the son who came to his dad and said, Dad, you're taking a really long time to die, so I'm wondering if I can just have your inheritance now rather than waiting for you to die. And the dad amazingly says, Okay, and liquidates half of his assets gives him his half, and the son, remember, goes to a where? Do you remember? To a far country. And, of course, squanders it. Ends up living with the pigs. Not super kosher. And then decides it's time to come back. You know, even the servants live better than this. And he comes back, and remember his dad sees him coming, and his dad runs and welcomes him back. How far have you run? The Father will see you coming and welcome you home. How deep, how deep do you need to go, right? Like, how deep do you need to go? You think of Jonah here going down, going down, going down, finding himself with the weeds wrapped around his head at the bottom of the sea, at the roots of the mountains, in the belly of a fish, like... It's, it's really, really bad, really, really dark. How deep will you need to go before you're ready to come home? How deep will they need to go before they're ready to come home? The good news is they can come home. You think of, think of Peter denying our Lord again and again in the garden. How deep did he have to go? Well, deep enough till he was ready to come back. You know, the Lord wants Jonah to obey, and so he wants to help Jonah repent, and so the Lord hurls storms at them. 
How many storms will the Lord have to hurl into your life? How many storms will the Lord have to hurl into their life before he has your attention? Just remember that the Lord hurls storms in our life not because he hates us, but because he loves us. Hebrews 12 tells us that God is like a good father that disciplines us like sons that he loves. Romans 8, chapter 28, or chapter 8, verse 28 tells us, reminds us that God is working all things together for the good of those who love him. He's hurling storms into your life to bring you closer to him and conform you to the likeness of his son, Jesus. So here's what, here's what I think you must take away from this chapter in Jonah about God, and that is that God saves. The Lord saves. Because in the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out on dry land. And so Jonah got to live. The Lord had saved Jonah's life. And so Jonah can pray, salvation belongs to the Lord because it is the Lord who saves. So just, just think of this as like Jonah goes down into a metaphorical death, but God spares Jonah from death with a giant fish that vomits him out on dry land. But because God loves you and me so much, he did not spare his own son. His own son died. And then after three days, was raised. His own son was innocent, where Jonah was guilty. But he died to take Jonah's place and die the death that Jonah should have died, like he died to take your place and my place, to die the death that we should have died. He died so that he could save us from our sins. This is the God you surrender to. This is your Lord and Savior that took your place, that died for your sins. So, so what should we do knowing that it is the Lord who saves, no matter how far we run, how deep we go, or what storms have been hurled at us? What should we do? Well, number one, I believe we should pray the truth that we know. Pray the truth that we know. So this is why I think Jonah cites all these psalms. Jonah was a prophet. And Jonah, back then, they would have prayed the Psalms over and over and over and over. And it looks like Jonah had been a prophet that prayed the Psalms over and over and over and over. And when he had run from God, and when he, God had hurled him into the dark, chaotic sea, and he's drowning, and he's fainting, and he thinks he's going to die, it looks like that truth comes back to him. Does that sound familiar to you at all? You run from God, 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 and, you, and then you're in this terrible moment of crisis. And what comes back to you? Well, maybe the kids' own stories you learned when you were a kid. Maybe the Iwana verses you memorized when you were a kid. Maybe the children's choir songs that you sang twice a week, every week, for 10 weeks, and with the motions so that you'd know them for sure? 
What comes back to you? It's the truth that is down deep in your heart that you learn through repetition. What comes back to you when you're, when you're at the end of it? How do you pray those deep prayers? You combine your terrified experience with the truth that you know, and the two come together, and you pray deep prayers. You pray the truth that you know. So look, I think if you're not in crisis right now, it's a good time to put truth in the bank. If you're in crisis right now, it's a good time to pray the truth that you know over and over again. And if you have small kids at home, I would encourage you to like, take an active role in this. So as I mentioned, like, KidZone is super important. Awana, super important. Um, the different programs that you're involved in, it's super important. But don't, don't just delegate that like you delegate other lessons in life. Like this is something that please take an active role in. So this is uh, when uh, my kids were young. Caleb and Titus were real little. Me and even when Caleb was little, I asked my mom, you know, how do I do this? And she said, make sure you read them Bible stories. And I said, well, you know, like, I can I ask for some more explanation? My mom said, here's the thing. You read the same, you read those Bible story books over and over and over and over and over. And what happens is your kids get the, they get the Bible kind of, they get those central Bible stories in order over and over again. So we read different books, but man, we read the Bible every night to our kids. I read the Bible every night to our kids. Because I just looked at it like a long-term investment. There is stuff, a lot of stuff I got wrong. Don't look at me as a perfect parent. But one of, the, one of the things I'm glad I did was read the Bible stories to my kids every night. Even when I really didn't want to. I told you before, you know, it would be bedtime. And I know this is part of the process of wrangling them through the bathtub, wrangling clothes on them, you know, putting my hand against their forehead, against the wall, and, you know, it was actually Cheyenne that would do that, that would brush their teeth. You know, like, got to brush your teeth. Ah, you know, like, just kind of pushing them through, and then, okay, it's time for Dad to read a Bible story, and then Dad read the Bible story. Unfortunately, there's one person in that picture that really never got anything out of the Bible stories. Can you guess who that is? That is the little dog, Cutie. I don't think the Bible stories ever improved her character whatsoever. I also had to laugh at this picture because I'm like, because, you know, Cheyenne took this picture and I'm like, for the love. For the love. That's, that's when you decide to take the picture. Do you see what book I'm reading to them? It's not the Bible. Do you see what book I'm reading to them? It's not Pilgrim's Progress. You see what book I'm reading to them? It's not, you know, all the other cool stories I read. I'm reading SpongeBob in that picture. SpongeBob, but maybe that's why Caleb and Titus are hanging out. I don't know. <laughs> Here's the point, man. Put the truth in the bank when you can. Every way you can. Okay, so the Lord saves. So pray the truth that you know. In order to pray the truth, you've got to know the truth. So put it in the bank while you can. Number two, because I think there's, a, there's part of us that is like, but I, I can't because I haven't right? So 
I've been running from God for so long. I haven't been praying for so long. I've been ignoring God, running from God for so long. I'm to the point now where it would be hypocritical for me to pray. It would be duplicitous for me to pray. I'd have to swallow a mountain of pride to pray because I've been against that kind of thing for so long. So in, so in uh, Jonah 1, verse 1, the, Lord, the word of the Lord comes to Jonah, uh, the son of Amittai, and says, verse 2, Arise, go out to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for the evil has come up before me. And then you remember what Jonah does? He, he runs the other way. So God says, go call out against it. And Jonah's like, nope, and runs the other way. Then remember the captain of the ship comes down to Jonah and says, Jonah, we need you to pray. Please call out to your God. We're all dying, Jonah. Please call out to your God. And there is no mention of Jonah praying. That call out word, same word, used twice. Chapter 1, verse 2, chapter 1, verse 6, when he says, arise, call out to your God. Same word that's in chapter 2, verse 2, where Jonah says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. God had told Jonah to call, and he'd ignored him. The captain had called, told Jonah to call, and he'd ignore him. And here's Jonah now swallowing a mountain of pride and calling out to the Lord. And the Lord hears. Hey, just so you can hear yourself say it, if you're sitting by yourself, would you just read um, Jonah 2, verse 2 to yourself. If you're sitting next to someone, please read Jonah chapter 2, verse 2 to the person sitting next to you. So God's grace, so this message of God's grace can sink in. Go ahead and read it to the person sitting next to you. Amen. That is, that is better news than we deserve. That after ignoring God's call, and ignoring God's call, and ignoring God's call, and running from God's call, and disobeying God's call, and flipping God off, Jonah calls out to God, and God hears. I've really talked about Jonah in a way that's been negative most of the time, through chapter 1 especially, because uh, Jonah runs from God, and Jonah disobeys God. Jonah ignores God. But here's one thing you have to say about Jonah. What he says in chapter 1, verse 9, almost to the end of verse 9, he says, And what I have vowed to the Lord, I will keep. And you know, it sure looks like he does. Because, you know, you wonder, well, what did Jonah vow to the Lord? So think of it, he's been called to Nineveh, and he says, no, God hurls a storm that causes him to be hurled overboard. He's in the belly of a fish. What do you think Jonah vowed? 
I think he vowed to go to Nineveh. Like, God, if you get me out of this fish, I'll go to Nineveh. That's how it looks anyway in chapter 3, when the Lord comes back to him a second time and says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. Same word, call out. So it looks to me like Jonah vows to the Lord. I mean, I don't know this, but I'm guessing he vows to go to Nineveh, and it looks like he keeps his vow, even though he really doesn't want to, even though this is a really hard vow to keep. I want you to feel how inconvenient it would be to vow this vow. Because sometimes I think when you and I are in desperate situations, dark, scary, we're drowning, our life is fainting away situations, we'll vow to the Lord, Lord, if you get me through this, I'll, right? Like you're in the ER, God, if you get me through this, I'll, we're arrested, God, if you get me through this, I'll, and then we make those, these vows, then we get out and we're like, well, this is really inconvenient, I don't want to do this. Well, think about what Jonah vowed here, if he, if he did vow to go to Nineveh, okay? So, I don't know where the fish threw Jonah up at. Like, I don't know where the fish puke happened. But if that happened at Joppa, where Jonah got on the boat, this is a long walk to Nineveh. A long walk. I think five, six hundred miles long walk. It's a long walk. And, and, and maybe, maybe the fish vomits Jonah out up here, and God is merciful, and it's a shorter walk. But it's still a long walk. Here's how it looks on a um, satellite map, I think. Tel Aviv is modern-day Joppa. Mosul is modern-day Nineveh. It's a long walk. You're, you're not going to walk straight through the desert. You're going to go up, around, and on the trading routes, which, which have gone up and around and then down. It's a long walk. It's a tough vow to keep. But here's the thing. God takes those vows seriously that you vow to him. When you're praying and it's dark and it's scary and God has your full attention and you make a vow, man, keep the vow. Follow through. What you said you would do, go ahead and do. Where you said you would go, go ahead and go. What you said you would say or give or serve, Please, keep your vows. Because it's by God's grace that you still live. And it's not like God is out of storms to hurl at you. If God has decided he'll do something, he's the same God. So here's our question. Our question was, how will I remember the Lord? How will I remember that the Lord saves? You remember that the Lord saves because he took your place. Like he took Jonah's place. He died Jonah's death. He died the death you deserve, that I deserve. He died in our place to free us from our sins. So remember to pray. Pray the truth that you know about him. I think that's why this is such a deep prayer. It's the combination of truth and experiences. Jonah, this is a prayer only Jonah can make up. You know, seaweed is wrapped around my head at the bottom of mountains. Like, this is Jonah's experience combined with scriptural truth. And it hasn't been too long. After all, God is an eternal being. You are time-bound. What do you really know of time? It's not too late to call out to God. 
And when he answers and delivers you, make sure you keep your vows. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for how you watch over us and how you keep us. Lord, I pray that if any are running from you, Lord, that you would give them no rest until they find their rest in you. Lord, if any are rebelling against you, that you would give them no peace until they repent and experience peace that passes all understanding. Lord, I pray that you would help us come to the end of ourselves and surrender. Because there we find your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Greg. Well, welcome. We're so glad you're with us this morning and so glad you're joining us on the live stream as well, those of you who are worshiping with us that way. Uh, so glad to have uh, Alice and Myron Loss with us this morning. Would you guys just wave some uh, retired missionaries that are home with us from Florida? So yes, welcome. Welcome. If you have your Bibles with you and you'd like to open them with me, we're in the book of Jonah, and that is uh, kind of buried in the Minor Prophets. So if you would like to, you can always open your Bible to the table of contents, which is in the front of your Bible, and find that little book of Jonah before the New Testament, and you'll, uh, you'll be able to turn there a little easier, a little quicker. This morning, we're talking about the Lord's call and his call on your life. And so by the end of the message today, my goal is that you'd be able to answer this question. The Lord is calling me to, and then I'd like you to be able to fill in the blank. So as we're kind of going through the text today, as we're reading, as I talk about the text, as we're working through our questions, I'd like you to have this question always in mind. What is the Lord calling me to do? And so it may be that the Lord is calling you to stop something. It may be that the Lord is calling you to start something. It may be that the Lord is calling you to a season of prayer. It may be that the Lord is calling you to be saved. It may be the Lord is calling you to someone in particular. It may be that someone, the Lord is calling you to a people in general, it may be the Lord has a specific mission that he is impressing upon your heart that you would go and tell. So what is the Lord calling you to? This is a question I'd like you to answer as we work through the text this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this time we can spend together. And Lord, I pray that we would surrender to your call on our lives. Lord, stand in front of me while I'm in front of them. Talk over me while I talk to them. Do this for your glory's sake. Do this for our good. Do this for the world that you love. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Jonah is called by God. God says, go to Nineveh. Jonah says, nope. Flips God off and runs the other way. As far and as fast as he can, he goes down to Joppa, and then when he gets to Joppa, he goes down onto a ship. Once he's on the ship and the ship is out on the water, he goes 
down into the innermost parts of the ship and lays down to go to sleep. His running away is a series of going down. And you can identify with that if you have tried to run from God. It is a downward spiral. The Lord is not passive. The Lord hurls a storm at Jonah. It is a terrible storm, so terrible that the sailors are hurling over their luggage to lighten the ship because the ship is coming apart. They draw straws to figure out who, who did this to us. You know, who are the gods mad at? And of course, Jonah's straws drawn. They all look at Jonah and say, Sup! You know, like, tell us what's going on. Please, quick. And so Jonah says, you're going to have to hurl me overboard. And they say, we'd really rather not have an innocent life on our hands. And so they try harder to get to shore. It doesn't work because God is forcing them to make a decision, a really hard decision. And God keeps pressing on them. The storm keeps getting worse. Finally, they hurl Jonah overboard. Jonah is in very deep water. Jonah can't touch. Jonah is in over his head. Have you ever been there? In very deep water where you can't touch, in over your head? Have you ever been there? And I'm not just talking about H2O. I'm not just talking about water, like, wow. I'm talking about life. This is what we're talking about. Grace for when you're in over your head. Grace for when you're in over your head. And so the Lord appoints a fish, and the fish comes, and it swallows Jonah, and it takes Jonah down even further. And when Jonah is at the bottom, he prays a very deep prayer. A prayer of repentance, a prayer of thankfulness, a prayer that the Lord would save him, and, and the Lord saves him. And the fish vomits Jonah out on dry land, and, and this is where we pick it up in chapter 3, verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, okay, well, hold on, hold on, because, I mean, we could just, that, that would be enough for the day, you know, if, if I didn't have other things that I needed to get to, like in August with Ecclesiastes, oh, we just stop here. The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second, so look at chapter 1, verse 1. So if you have your Bibles open, you're looking at chapter 3, you might need to turn a page. Mine just lays right open. Chapter 1, verse 1, I'm going to read, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Wow, that's very similar. God's like, So, are you ready to listen? We can do it again if you want to. Or you can listen this time and we can move forward in obedience. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. Very similar to Jonah chapter 1, verse 2. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. So in chapter 1, verse 3, Jonah, or Jonah rises and flees. This time Jonah rises and is obedient now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. And Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey. And he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. I mean, this is a short sermon. <laughs> That's it. Forty days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Forty days kind of gives the possibility, unless you repent, 
Like there is a time frame for repentance here. Better repent. And Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. Because it was God that was speaking through Jonah. And they called for a fast and put on sackcloth. And from the greatest of them to the least of them, the word reached the king of Nineveh. And he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water. Let not man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Man, that's a fast though, isn't it? Like, we're all going to fast. I'm going to fast. You're going to fast. The kids are going to fast. The dog is going to fast. The cat is going to fast. The farm animals are going to fast. Everybody's going to fast because if we don't, all of us are going to be destroyed. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. This is the repentance that they're calling for. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. So this is Jonah's call. Jonah's call is to go and preach. This is what the people of Nineveh were called to do. They were called to turn from their evil and repent. And the hope is that if they obeyed their call, that God would, that God would turn. That's the same Hebrew word used twice here. Used here and then used again here. It is as repetitive as the English looks. God may turn and God may relent and God may turn and not destroy us. If we're obedient to his call. Jonah to go and preach them to turn and repent. And when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them and he did not do it. They answered the call that God put on their life and God relented for the disaster that was coming upon them. I look at it like when you call out to your kid, you're going to get a spanking. The, the idea is, I'm warning you, you're going to get a spanking unless you stop doing what you're doing. Otherwise, why even warn them? Go over there and do it. And this is, I think, what God said to Nineveh through Jonah, you're going to be destroyed. The implication being, unless you repent. And so they repent and God relents. So here's my question for you. My question is, what is God's call on your life? What is God calling you to do? And so I have three questions to help you kind of sort this out. The first question is, is God calling you away from a specific evil. So for Nineveh, the specific evil that they were wrestling with was violence. The violence that was in their hands. You see this in chapter 3 verse 8. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hand. Look, this is a real thing right here in Allegan County. Violence is real. It's real and it's here and it's especially directed against women and kids. People don't talk about it. I mean, you don't 
you don't come to church and say, yeah, my husband beat me again. Maybe we should. You probably should. We probably take legal action. But it's a real thing that we need to repent of. It's a real thing against kids. It's a real thing. So if you're given to violence, what do you do with your hands? Another, I'm, I'm, we could talk about different sins, but lust is a real thing. It's so evil. You think of the amount of money that is involved in the pornography industry. Dwarfs, as I understand it, dwarfs all the other professional sports combined. Man, if you're given to that, what are you doing with your hands? Sloth might be, greed might be the, the evil way that you would be given to. If you're, if you're given to greed, what would you be doing with your hands? If you're given to sloth, what would you be doing with your hands or not be doing with your hands? The Lord says you've got to turn from your evil ways. The violence that is in your hand. What would the Lord say to you? Turn from this. Turn from this. Think about what you're doing with your hands. Now, why should we do this? We should do this because the Lord is gracious not enabling the Lord is gracious, not enabling. So when someone is enabling, they help someone continue to sin. The Lord is gracious. He'll give people time to repent, but he won't let them go on sinning forever. So the city of Nineveh does repent and then evidently slips back into the sin and then they are utterly utterly, fantastically destroyed by the Medes and the Babylonians in 612 B.C. He'll give you time, but you don't know how much time, and he won't let you go on sinning forever. So repent, turn from this evil, because God is gracious, not enabling. He is patient, not passive. So the Lord hurls a storm when Jonah decides to flee. The Lord hurls a storm. The Lord appoints a fish. And then in chapter 4, the Lord appoints a vine or a plant to grow to give Jonah shade. And then the Lord appoints a worm to grow and kill the plant. And the Lord appoints an east wind that is scorching, that comes and makes Jonah exceedingly miserable. The Lord is not, patient. The Lord is not passive. You know, he's not just sitting there kind of watching. The Lord is taking an active role in helping Jonah, Jonah repent and an active role in helping Nineveh repent. So this is why you want to repent. You want to turn from your evil way because the Lord is gracious, not enabling. He is patient, not passive. He is, he is slow to anger, not afraid to get angry. If you look at the book of Nahum, it is an oracle against Nineveh, the same city that Jonah was preaching to and against 
And you'll, you'll see, if you read the book of Nahum, God is not afraid to get angry. Now, he's slow to anger, but his wrath is something to be feared. And he hates sin, and I'm glad he hates sin, because sin destroys people. The Lord is calling you to the process of repentance. So is there a specific sin that the Lord is calling you to turn from? Okay, so as you think about it, you finish the sentence, what is the Lord calling me to do? Option number one is God is calling me to turn from a specific sin. Okay, so second, it may be that God is calling you to call out to him. So the people of Nineveh were called to call out to the Lord in prayer. Like maybe God will relent and not destroy us if we call out to him. But this is not the first time in the book you see this language. So in chapter 1, the Lord hurls the storm and Jonah is, remember he's gone down to Joppa, down to the ship, down in the ship, down to the hold, and then he lays down to sleep. He's down there, way down deep, sleeping. And the captain comes down and is like, what are you doing? Are you crazy? Wake up and call to your God and maybe your God will pay attention to us. And this is the language that the captain uses. He says, arise, call out to your God. Like, please get up and pray. And then Jonah, um, Jonah gets up and they, like I say, they cast lots and they figure out it's Jonah and they hurl Jonah overboard. Jonah goes into the deep and then we see in chapter 2, verse 2, Jonah pray, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. Same word for called out there. The captain comes and tells Jonah, cry out to the Lord. And then Jonah is cast in the sea, and Jonah cries out to the Lord. And then he goes to Nineveh, and the king makes this proclamation and let them call out mightily to God. It may be that God is calling you to call out to him a season of prayer and fasting. Now, now why, would, why would God call us to fast in our calling out? I think the reason we're called to fast sometimes when we pray is fasting kind of declares our dependence on him. When we fast, we come to the end of our own strength and we have to depend on the Lord for strength. When we fast, it shows God, look, we're really serious about this. We're not eating and not drinking serious about this. We really need your help. We're really serious about these prayers. We're not just faking it. We're fasting. Maybe that God is calling you to a an intense season of prayer. And, and what would he be asking you to pray for? Would it be repentance for our nation? Would it be repentance here at this church? Would it be repentance in your family? Would it be repentance in your own heart? What would God be calling you to repent and fast for? It may be that God, if you're not saved, it may be that God is calling you to be saved. So in in Acts chapter 2, Peter gets up. This is after Jesus died and after Jesus rose again. And Peter gets up and he's preaching. And he tells them that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be 
saved. Because here's the thing. Jesus died the death that Jonah deserved. Jonah was guilty, was thrown overboard, but got to live. Jesus was innocent. And instead of running away like Jonah, walked uphill to Jerusalem to die in our place. Jesus died in Jonah's place. Jesus took the wrath that some of the Ninevites, anyway, were saved from. Jesus died in their place, taking God's wrath onto himself so that at least some of the Ninevites could be saved. Jesus died in your place and in my place. He took the punishment for your sin and for my sin. He paid the debt that we could not pay so that we could be saved. So call out to him and be saved. So is the Lord, number one, calling you to turn from a specific evil. Number two, is the Lord calling you to call out mightily to him. Or number three, is the Lord calling you to call out missionally to them? So, you know, I don't... Did Jonah like the Ninevites? No. He hated the Ninevites. Did Jonah want to go to Nineveh? Did Jonah feel super compatible with God's call in his life to go to Nineveh? Absolutely not. He looked down on them and hated them. And the Lord calls him twice to go. So, as I mentioned in chapter 1, verse 2, we read this. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. Now, watch, just look up at the screen just for a second. And you can do this in your Bible in just a second. Watch then in chapter 3, verse 2. Chapter 3, verse 2 reads just like this. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. Now, what comes after the it is different in chapter 1 versus chapter 3, but that's what's the same. It's that call on Jonah's life, better go, better talk to him. I know you don't like him, but you better go talk to him. Hey, is there somebody in your life that you're like, I think God wants me to go and talk to them, but I don't want to. I really don't want to. really, really don't want to. I'd really rather do anything else. And you know, Jonah looks down on them. Jonah hates them. You see this in chapter 4. Jonah's like, because God relents from the disaster. And Jonah's like, for the love. That's why I didn't want to go. I knew you would be gracious to them. He doesn't like them at all. But listen, look at me just a second. Because I bet you can think of people that you don't like. I bet you can think of people that you don't want to talk to. I bet you can think of people that you'd, you really don't think God would ever want you to go talk to them because you don't like them. Look at me just a second. Wouldn't it be the fruit of the Spirit for you to have compassion on them? Like Jesus looked at the sheep, like Jesus looked at the crowds, like lost sheep without a shepherd and had compassion on them? Don't you want to be more like Jesus than Jonah? That's the fruit of the Spirit. 
That's the Spirit transforming you to become more like Jesus. That you would grow a sense of warm affection for people that you really don't like, that you really don't want to talk to. So is God calling you to go and talk to somebody? Is God calling you to call out to him? Is God calling you to turn from a specific evil? What is God calling you to? I hope you can finish this sentence with me. The Lord is calling me to. It may not be that God is calling you to uproot and move someplace far away. It may be that God is calling you to make some minor adjustments. God is calling you to something. May he give you sensitivity to see what that is today. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would meet us in this text. And Lord, that you would pull us towards yourself. Lord, I pray that you would give us the courage, um, the sensitivity, the bravery to answer your call and make the call, whatever it is. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.